Good evening, LifeGen. I hope you're doing well. I'm Wayan, and it's my pleasure, and I'm excited to share the Word of God with you today. You know, last week, Pastor Mike shared that he went exercising. That's how he met the monkeys, right? Well, that's something I've been trying to do this season as well. I've been trying to learn how to work out and exercise, right? Because every male pastor's dream is to look good in skinny jeans. <laughs> but like most of us, my exercise routine has been extremely inconsistent. You know that, that kind of situation? One week, you're doing the exercises every single day, right? You're working out, you're ticking it off the list, and you're like, I can do this, I'm doing this. And then the next week, you're totally slacking, right? Not doing it at all, and, and just not having the energy or the motivation to do it. And, and to top that off, my wife makes chocolate muffins. I... Pat yourself on the back if you know what I mean, right? And if you felt that same way, you know, Wayan, I know how you feel. Um, but it, of course, if that's not you, just, you know, rebuke it, right? But one of the things I've tried to do as I've learned uh, in this process of just exercising and working out is I, I subscribed to an exercise app. It's called Freeletics. And, and it's not a paid advertisement because uh, as you can see, nothing has changed. But one of the ways in which Freeletics teaches us or enables me to, to do those workouts is they put a combination of exercises in, call it a workout, and they name each of these workouts after the names of Greek gods. And that's why they call them God workouts. Today, I'm thinking to myself as a Christian, what is God's workout for me? Because just as much as we want to train and discipline our bodies so that we're fit and healthy, God wants to do the same for each and every one of our lives as well. What is the God workout? I'm going to go to a passage that has spoken a lot to me in this season. And it's in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 12 to 17. I'm going to read that for you. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Strive for peace with everyone, and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. That no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. For you know that afterward, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. Friends, that is the God workout. That is your series of spiritual pull-ups, sit-ups, push-ups, sprints, jumping jacks. And we will look at these exercises in a bit. But before I do, there are four things that I believe God wants us to know before we look at the workouts themselves. The first one is this, God disciplines us. The primary context of that passage is actually our struggle against sin. And that's, that's uh, shown in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 4. And just like this wonderful chocolate muffin that threatens to ruin all our fitness goals, sin is knocking on your door. It desires you. It relentlessly pursues you and tries to pull you away from God. And that's why we need God's discipline. But discipline often comes off like a bad word. You know, when my kids are cheeky or naughty or, or disobedient, the D word comes out, discipline. 
Do you want daddy to discipline you? Don't do this or daddy will discipline you. But the Greek word for discipline in this passage is the word paideia, which essentially means or can be translated as education, training, and correction. So imagine yourself as if you were a soldier in training. You wake up at a fixed time, you make your bed, your uniform is crisp and, and, and neatly pressed, you stand to attention, you are punctual, you are respectful, you are obedient, you exercise, you strengthen yourself, you act under command. And all of this is why soldiers are extremely disciplined. They have been trained to do so. It's not a situation of, oh, when I'm at war, then I will be disciplined. No, it was all the time. And that's what it really is. Discipline is training. It is a process that, take, that makes us stronger, more resilient, more firm against sin and against anything the enemy can throw at us. And that is what God does for all of us. He disciplines us. He trains us. He corrects us. He allows us to go through stormy seas. He even gives us rest days. Not cheat days, but rest days. But you notice that this passage also refers to a particular term, or uses a particular term that refers to God. And that word is Lord. And that is the meaning of master, as in a master-slave relationship. Because that is who our God is. Not just is he our friend, our best friend, our, our brother, our lover, our shepherd. He is our master. We obey him. We serve him. So if he says jump, we say how high. If he says do push-ups, we say how many. If he says bless, we say how much. If he says worship me, we say how loud. If he says run, we say how far. Because he is our Lord and he is our master. That's the first one. God disciplines us. But why? Why does he discipline us? The Bible says he disciplines us because he loves us. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 6 says, For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. And further down it says, God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate son, children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? Here's a thought. A master without a father's heart is a dictator. He cares only for himself. He praises himself calls himself the savior of his people, and then forces his people to say the same thing. But that is not the Lord we know. In the midst of using the word Lord, the writer switches tone and uses the word father in the context of a father who disciplines and trains his children because he loves them. As a father, I can understand that to some extent because I want my children to be trained in the ways of the Lord because I believe that that is the best way to live. It's not, because, uh, the, it's not because of my own good. It's, it's not because I want them to take care of me when I'm old. I mean, who knows where we will be in the years to come anyway. But it is for their good. If I cared for myself, I would have just disowned them. But why bother with them? It's only because I love them and I desire the best for them. So I will discipline and train them and show them that I love them. Precisely because 
That's how God disciplines us as well. But the greatest giveaway, the greatest show that the Lord is also our Father and has the Father's heart is because of His sacrifice. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2 says that Jesus endured the cross, scorning its shame. For what? The Bible shows us that we are messed up people living in a messed up world. We're sinners. And our sin has messed us all up. Our rebellion against God, our rebellion against the ideals that God has for us, our distrust against God, our desire to go our own way, in fact, sometimes not knowing what that way is in the first place. But despite our mess, God still comes and rescues us. He buys us back. He redeems us by taking our sin upon himself and giving up of his own life on the cross and now trains us to live in righteousness. A dictator wouldn't lift a finger, but God did because of his love for us. A master without a father's heart is a dictator, but a master with a father's heart is a savior. And we all need that. What is the end result? People work out because they want to achieve a particular objective. Six-pack abs, um, stronger heart, more muscle gain, uh, or just maybe just being fit and healthy. Why does God discipline and train us? Hebrews chapter 12, verse 10 to 11 says this, For they, earthly fathers, disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them. But he, God, disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. Underline that, highlight it, share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. I think it goes without saying that discipline isn't pleasant. It's not fun. But those who have gone through it, gone through training, develop three qualities, holiness, righteousness, and peace. And of all the characteristics that reflect God, uh, that are good, like the Beatitudes or, or, or the fruit of the Spirit, I believe that these three characteristics, if, they, people, if people see them in you, they don't just think you're a good man. They see you as a child of God, reflecting God's character. Why do I say that? Well, first one, holiness. Holiness says that you are set apart from the rest of the world. Holiness is more than just not sinning. It is a way of life that is transformational, that is redemptive. It's entirely different from anything else. Put it this way. If you see a good man, you see a good man. But if you see a holy man, you see God. Take the story of Daniel, the life of Daniel in the Bible. Daniel was a great worker. He had great character, but he also lived out a life of holiness. And because of that, his bosses, the kings, would praise not just Daniel, but the God of Daniel. Why? Because he reflected a character of God, holiness. Second one, righteousness. There is no victory over sin other than by the blood of Jesus Christ. And so no amount of our own effort, good works, charity, good behavior, 
will ever remove the stain of sin in our lives. But for those who have acknowledged Jesus as their Savior, we have been given the gift of righteousness in exchange for our sin. That gift from God that says, I take away your sin and I give you my righteousness. And two things come out of that. Firstly, because of that gift of righteousness, we have victory over sin. Secondly, we now have the ability to overcome sin as we pursue a life of righteousness. And that's where the training and discipline comes in. Holiness, righteousness. And lastly, the one that I find is the most beautiful, peace. Jesus said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children or sons of God. Peace was what was declared when Jesus came to earth, born as a baby. Peace is also what we carry into this world. Not success at all costs, fight for your rights, or survival of the fittest. Peace is what gives us rest over the fear of COVID-19, or loss of salary, or sickness, or divorce, or family strife, or the need to prove yourself, or to deal with criticisms from others that we get every single day. Peace is what gives us rest. You want to carry something into the world? Carry peace. So why does God train us? For three reasons. Holiness, righteousness, and peace. So that we reflect the image and character of God. Lastly, every fitness enthusiast knows that we need motivation. So what do we do? Watch transformation videos, right? With the hashtags, fat to fit, lean and mean, fitness goals. Hebrews also gives us a motivational video. It's called, Fix Your Eyes on Jesus. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay, every, lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus. Highlight that, looking to Jesus. Some version says, fix your eyes on Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus was a man. And as a man, he also had to be trained and disciplined. He had to overcome temptation and sin. He had to discipline himself to do his Father's will. And when it came to the cross, he trained himself by setting before him the joy that would come as a result of his sacrifice, the saving of our lives, the Father's glory, and the redemption of all of creation and mankind to fulfill the purposes of God. But it also means this. If Jesus can, you can too. It's not, I, I'm not Jesus, ma. No. If Jesus can, you can too. And this comes when we fix, when we focus our eyes on Jesus. A man I had lunch with recently reminded me and said, the Bible doesn't say glance at Jesus or uh, look at Jesus for a while and then look elsewhere. No. Don't look at anything else. Not the world, not even other Christians. But focus your eyes on Jesus alone. Fix your eyes on Jesus alone. Four things. God disciplines us. 
He disciplines us out of His love for us. He desires to build in us and, and mold us to have holiness, righteousness, and peace, the result of the training. And lastly, we become disciplined as we fix our eyes on Jesus. You're listening to all of this and you're looking at your own life. It's bad. You don't like it. You're probably stuck in addiction or in sin, struggling with it. Perhaps bad character and people have been talking about you and, and you know it's true. And you're looking at your life and going, I've, I've, I've been a Christian for 20 years and, and I don't see the holiness and the righteousness and the peace coming out of it. But friends, that is precisely why God takes us through discipline and training. It's not fun. It's not pleasant. It hurts. It requires sacrifice. But it enables us to yield good fruit. So what are these exercises? Going back to Hebrews 12, verse 12 to 17, I believe Hebrews shows us three types of exercises that we need to work on in our workout. The first one, personal strength training exercises. This is the one where he says, lift the drooping arms and strengthen the weak knees. It essentially means this. What are you weak in? Are you weak in patience? Then train in your patience. Lift some weights. Lift some spiritual weights. Right when, when, when you go back into work or when you go to your classes, ask God to remind you to exercise patience when you've got that hard-to-work-with colleague or that gossiping classmate and say, God, help me. It's not easy. And that's why older Bible versions use patience or translate patience as long-suffering. But it yields fruit. Grow in the Word of God. I don't think anyone there would dare say that I am strong in the Word of God. But that's precisely because we're always growing. We're always strengthening ourselves in the Word of God. So read, study, meditate, memorize, apply the Word of God in your life. And you will become stronger. Personal strength training. Second one is this, core training. You see, the question then is, what is at the core of your spiritual life? What is the fruit that God wants you to carry? Holiness, righteousness, and peace. That's why Hebrews 12 says, strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. He goes later on in this passage to talk about holiness in the context of a man named Esau, who for a single meal sold his entire birthright, which essentially at his time meant that his right, which meant, which referred to his right to receive the blessing that God gave to his father, grandfather Abraham, his father Isaac, and supposedly to him. Friends, as children of God, we have received the blessing, the covenant blessing of salvation, of his presence, of his blood for us, protecting us and being with us and giving us the life and leading us to the life that God wants us to live. Don't despise it. Don't throw it away. Cling to it for dear life. Cling to it with all your life. Do not trade it for anything else. Whether it's a single meal or even your physical life, hold on to it for the rest of your life. Core training. Last one, purposeful training. You see, the purpose of our training and discipline is not so that we become picture perfect, but it is so that we become people who fulfill the purposes of God, especially 
in our world today by presenting Jesus to the world? Can we do this by disciplining ourselves to love others? See to it that everyone who comes in your path experiences God's grace, His beautiful grace. See to it that we don't fester bitterness in the hearts of anyone against God or against ourselves. See to it that we overcome sexual immorality. See to it that our friends experience true freedom. Three sets of exercises, personal strength training, core training, and purposeful training. Even as I close, I feel God wants to speak specifically to some of you. The first group, you know very clearly what God wants you to pursue as your calling. Maybe it's to impact the financial world or to change political systems, influence the media industry, or even pastor a community of Christ followers. And it requires godly character and spiritual maturity. And you see a gap between where you are at now with where God wants you to be. A huge gap in terms of your character and your spiritual life. I'm not talking about skills here. And you struggle with sin, with addiction or bad character. And you're saying, how on earth am I ever going to get there to pursue the calling that God has for me? The second group, you've had an experience with God. You have encountered God before and it was powerful. It was wonderful. And now you're in a place where you have fallen away from the training and the discipline that God had for you. You've dropped out of training. And you're listening to this message and and you're believing that God is calling you back to training with Him because He loves you and He longs that you bear the fruit of holiness, righteousness, and peace. If that's you, God is inviting you to join Him back in training. He wants to train you. He wants to bring you through difficult situations, even difficult people, so that you grow in strength, in wisdom, and in spiritual maturity. He wants the best for you. And He also wants to bring out the best in you. Will you join Him in training? If you want to, can I pray for you? As an act of surrender to God, I want to invite you to just lift up your hands to God, even as I pray. Father, I commit my brothers and sisters to you right now. As they come back to training, may they come forth strong in their spirit, in their understanding of you, in their wisdom and maturity, and in their character. May they become holy, righteous, and carriers of peace to our world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you're hearing this for the first time, and you've heard me talk about what Jesus, who Jesus is and what he's done for us, and you want to know Jesus personally. You've never done this before, but can I personally invite you today to make that decision? If you want to, I would also like to ask you to place your hands over your heart and say this prayer, repeat this prayer after me. Father, I thank you that you love me unconditionally. And because of that, you gave me Jesus, who died on the cross and took away all my sin. I know that I've sinned against you and that I do not deserve to be saved. So I thank you 
that your love for me has saved me and gave me victory over all my sin and all my circumstances. Jesus, you're my Savior. Be my Lord and Master. I want to be more and more like you every day. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you have said this prayer with me, please reach out to us by sending us a DM on Instagram or Facebook. We want to hear from you and journey with you. Doesn't matter whether you're in Malaysia or anywhere else in the rest of this world, we would absolutely love to connect with you. Thank you so much. Let's continue to worship God and fix our eyes on Jesus. Thank you so much for tuning in to our LifeGen podcast. We hope that you were blessed. If you would like to connect with us, head to any of our social media platforms at LifeGenSIBKL or our website, LifeGen.my. We would love to connect with you. Stay tuned and God bless.